Hey everyone, thought it would be important to comment given today's landscape of technology in the way that it is so deeply interconnected with our lives. First, I would like to say that if you've ever been an entrepreneur or you are an entrepreneur, you are much more likely to have a deeper amount of understanding of what the biggest Fortune 500 CEOs are actually going through. <clears throat> it's easy to critique people when you have never actually even operated a business. So first of all, get behind their perspective and their eyes as we aim to architect a better future. It's important to take the moment to actually understand who these big tech founders are and their trajectories of how they even got to where they're at today. Their stories are very important about how they got where they are today. Actually, in many ways, their stories serve as the inspirational material for the next generation of founders that are 20 years old to make the future and build it happen. It's critical. So first of all, take that moment to more deeply understand truly what it's like to both operate at that level and to have that many people that your company directly affects every single day and also the trajectory of what it takes to get there. So first of all, that. Second of all, I'd like to point out how Peter Thiel is famous for saying this, that if you are a monopoly, the number one thing you need to do is absolutely deny that you are a monopoly. So similar with Rockefeller and Carnegie is same thing that's going on right now with Amazon, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, Google, Apple. The biggest tech giants in the US and the biggest tech giants in China, there's a big difference here that we'll talk about in a moment, but their number one objective is to literally vehemently deny that they are monopolies, no matter what, at all costs. As Because as soon as you would say that, yeah, actually, given this specific niche of the sector, we absolutely have a monopoly, is a plummeting of the value of your organization. But all of them have embedded growth obligations, egos, E-G-O, embedded growth obligation. Eric Weinstein's been very passionate about teaching us about that. And it's very true that even given back 100 years ago, Henry Ford, whoever you want to pick, all just had embedded growth obligations. They need to sell as much of what they are as possible to the world, period. And we need to collectively realize that it's actually potentially better to have different architectures in order for us to succeed with different styles of 
creativity, entrepreneurship, combinatorics to achieve these biggest goals rather than specifically basically not giving a shit how we get to our end objective, whatever that telos may be, but likely recursive. But this is a very important point to keep in mind that if we are going to be serious about the way that Fortune 500 companies affect, especially in the technology age, our lives, we need to take a deeper perspective on what's actually going on. And the same thing's true right now. Let's go to this point with the US and China quick. One thing to absolutely embed and never forget is that we live in a country in the United States where even in just the last less than 250 years, we have maintained some sort of a code of law, which makes it so that the biggest technology companies in the world have to have a congressional hearing. Just let that sink in for a moment. The fact that we even have open dialogue between our government and technology committees and antitrust laws, the fact that we even have that and that these tech CEOs have to attend and have to have discourse is extremely important. So never forget that we actually have that. That is very important to remember. That is literally dialectic. That is the discourse that the United States is famous for. The fact that we can actually get the biggest companies to come and speak to Congress about the future trajectory of what's going on. Now, whether or not actually breaking them up like we did with Rockefeller and oil and is a good idea or not is extremely complicated. And we don't even know the downstream effects of such things. We know that what happened with Rockefeller is now we have a bunch of massive oil companies that are still flourishing today. Now, should they be innovating into fields like nuclear fusion at faster rates? Absolutely. Is the same true if you broke up Facebook or Apple or Amazon or Google that they're that the little broken up subsidiaries would after a period of 5, 10, 25 years even still be around or not? Who knows? Is it better to do so? Very complicated. This is where a center for for economic simulation would actually be a very good choice. I've been talking about this quite a bit and I try talking at a deeper level with Andrew Yang about this. It's very important. A center for economic simulation. CFES. And what we would do with that is you would do things like try to model it out. What would happen to the United States economy if you were to break up an Apple or a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon? What would actually happen? And you can actually create simulations, economic simulations of these things. Just like you could create an economic simulation if you taxed every single Wall Street transaction at half a percent. What would happen? Where could you allocate that money? Would it would it con would people continue doing Wall Street tra transactions given that extra tax? And then would you be able to allocate that extra percent, half a percent, to education, to spirituality and science training programs um, for those that are under resourced? 
especially as children across the United States. So these are the important ways to perceive reality and how you can actually, at a deeper level, push for people to run these styles of economic simulations, which then give us deeper insight into what we can do to maximize our collective potential. Now, let's just juxtapose what we just described with the United States with China as an example. If you take China and the way that China's moving forward, China's doing things like they have a direct relationship between their government and their technology companies where it's all under one cohesive strategic roof. Now, it's complicated. It's not as simple as saying this is binary better than that, period, end of story. It's not that simple. When you do things like you take somebody in the United States that owns a piece of land that they absolutely refuse to sell that piece of land. Meanwhile, we are trying to build a, a, a um, maybe an, an, an autonomous pathway for vehicles through that area. China is able to say that we are sorry, but we are going to build this autonomous pathway through your land. But in the United States, you can just sit your ass on that land and not budge. And so you have to realize that there are these interesting ideas of the individual and the collective that need to be harmonized at a greater level. So the fact that the U.S. has a very specific style of handling the tech giants with the Congress versus the government handling the tech giants in a place like China. And by the way, go look at Saudi Arabia, go look at Russia, go look at Brazil, go look at India, go look at Germany, go look at Ethiopia, go look at other countries around the world. It's not just the difference between the United States and China, although those are the two absolute greatest economic powers. But you do have to do these, run these what could the United States government and their relationship with tech CEOs learn from an example, let's say, the relationship that the Indian government has with their largest technology companies? It's extremely hubristic to believe that we have absolutely nothing to learn from the other little combinatorics of how governments and corporations interact across the planet. And it's also hubristic for them to believe that they have nothing to learn from the United States. So again, it's all about that cohesion and an understanding and a balancing of the beauty of diversity in oneness at the same time, right? Simultaneity being that key. Ultimately, it's about these data silos as well. We have to remember that at the end of the day, it's going to be a opening of the data silos. It's going to be an inclusive stakeholding as well. So the fact that the existing social fabric has absolutely no inclusive stakeholding ownership is extremely non-biomimicry. And because of that, we're experiencing a lot of the issues given uh, wealth inequality, given the absolute extreme allocation of all new income to the top 1%, the absolute best way to handle that specific scenario is crystal clear. And it's the exact same way that natural systems have biomimicry. So you take the way that large trees sequester carbon and distribute it through their root and fungal networks to seedlings and smaller trees, that exact same style of strategy 
enabling through inclusive stakeholding the fact that you have all of your data with Amazon, with Apple, with Microsoft, with Google, with Facebook, with Tesla, with all of these major big companies in the United States, you absolutely and all of us deserve at a deeper level to have new economic styles flourishing, which take all of our data, give us a deeper amount of financial ownership over that data and inclusive stakeholding over that data, but also drop the silo so that we can more easily find unique insights in the data across the big companies for our own avatar profiles, but also for them to be able to find deeper insights onto how to harmonize on a collective level rather than on such an individual closed off siloed level. That is absolutely the future trajectory that we are heading towards. Again, inclusive stakeholding and opening up the data silos. Critical point. It's a central part of the thesis of the big synthesis that we'll, we are publishing. All right, let's transition to TikTok. Extremely important news with that. As you guys know, TikTok is the absolute, it's eating the world, especially the youth. And what's going on is that you have this extremely short form video platform, full screen, beautiful user experience and design that is captivating. And the loops are super tight on our neuroscience, on our neurobiology. They're just really tight loops that as soon as you kind of get on the platform, it's really difficult to get off because everything is so unique and creative and it's humans expressing themselves in creative ways and it's fun and it really easily deters us though and deters our long periods of deep work and focus. Again, Cal Newport, deep work that's really important for you to get your North Star accomplished. But also we get these unique little combinatorics of how humans are being creative around the world and we get to watch this little TikTok pop up from different countries around the world. It's actually quite interesting. As you guys know, it's also right now at the top of the most valuable privately owned companies in the world ranges from 50 billion to a hundred billion dollar valuations. It's extremely interesting how there was also the merger um, of what was ByteDance's company with Musical.ly in the US and then how that ended up turning into this global behemoth um, that we have today of TikTok and how India took a step forward and said that we must ban this because we don't trust, which is very, very crazy. And it's fascinating that that type of stuff is happening. And the same thing with the United States stepping up and saying that, no, we also don't trust. The fact that we don't trust each other across the planet is actually extremely deteriorating for our spirit collectively. It's extremely deteriorating. We will only figure this out at a deeper level within the next couple of years and decades when we realize how much we don't trust one another and how moving forward we are going to have to trust one another at a deeper level. It's not to say that the United States, Microsoft shouldn't go and buy the United States side of TikTok and, and that the Beijing ByteDance sh should or should not sell it. It's just, it's deeper than that. It's way deeper than that. The, the, the economics are a layer below the true spiritual gnosis of what the true nature of reality is. And the more that these major Fortune 500 companies, the presidents and congresses around the world, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, Beijing, all of these places in the world, the more that they 
They go into the depths of understanding the kingdom of God within and the fact that we are all diversity in oneness and the true nature of reality, the less we'll have all of these issues come up in the first place. We are having this issue come up about TikTok. It's analogous if you look at TSA and the Transportation Security Administration, the way that you have to go in there and it's massive lines, it's massive security, everybody's getting scanned, nobody trusts each other to fly across the planet like that. It's the same style of thinking. The more that we awaken ourselves to the true nature of reality, the less we will need to have all of the crazy geopolitical insanities where we don't trust each other. We have to awaken so that we can create a more robust social fabric where we trust each other. It's happening whether you like it or not. The evolutionary pacer is moving towards enlightenment. And once we become more enlightened, we will not have these geopolitical monkey politics issues. We will be able to have a more, a better, and more robust and more cohesive and interdependent conversation with each other about the technologies. It's the same style of thinking for China. We're going to put up this massive firewall. We're going to create a pressure cooker function for all of these tech entrepreneurs to build the tech solutions in China. Here's the thing. It's interesting to put different entrepreneurial combinatorics from around the world. What would it be like if Brazil or Russia or China or India or Germany or Pakistan or wherever decided to make their own style? If TikTok, for example, became open sourced and then Pakistan created their own version of open source TikTok in Pakistan, right? And maybe there was a way to still give creative contribution based on intellectual property to that initial creators of the open source material. There's all of these different, more enlightened architectures for the design of technology across our planet that we have yet to tap into because we are still in the egotistical and in the service to self mentality. So we are waking up to the new combinatorics and the new creative processes where you can take something like one of these massive technological, beautiful solutions that is being used across the planet for creativity and whatnot. And you're able to potentially even at a global level, at a geopolitical level, you are able to have discourse with the founders of this intellectual property and say things like, hey guys, how can we decrease the amount of people that are being distracted that are not able to achieve their goals because they may not have the self-discipline yet? There will be a component of AI coaches soon that helps people with their self-discipline. But maybe there's a way to put up a, the little notification that shows up after five minutes of TikTok use that says that, hey, were you by chance focused on a project? Would you like to exit out of TikTok right now. And so if you have these global conversations, you can do things like potentially even say, okay, TikTok, now we what we'd want to do is we want to create an Indian version of, of TikTok locally. So open source that will pay you a certain amount of a royalty for that process potentially. And we will natively uh, understand, right, the facial recognition. You know, these are the young people in your country that are maybe between the ages of 10 and 20. So the idea is that you would actually want the facial recognition and all of these data insights around the creativity. You would want to have that data natively in your country. There are much better combinatorics than what we have now, and we have to wake up to that. The more enlightened we become, the more we'll be able to work together more cohesively.
that's that's pretty much it. I mean, that's really the ethos and the central pillars of what is going on in the 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 mainstream technology sphere and we have to be very very understanding that the more awakened we become the more we have inclusive stakeholding and the more we have inclusive stakeholding the more we see our fellow brothers and sisters across the country and the planet as needing the same basic needs as we do needing the same basic needs as we do in order for our gifts to fully shine and thrive. And it's so simple, guys. It's so simple. Biomimic the way that nature works with humans and our economic flourishing. The more we awaken, the more we realize this, and the more we prosper faster. Remember that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. I'm very excited for you to let this stir up on a, on a deeper level, embody some of these main principles, especially inclusive stakeholding and our future in that regard. That's a central part of our big synthesis. Thank you for tuning in. Let me know what you think in the comments below on this brief bit. And I love you very much. I'm super grateful for everybody that's been continuing to be a part of this community and support what we're doing as we uncover the nature of reality, synthesize science and spirituality, dive deep into the nature of metaphysics and consciousness. We are at the edge, baby. We are at the edge. Nobody's doing it like us. Nobody's doing it like us. And so we're all here early. We're all here early for the big awakening. I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't happen without you. Love you. Thank you. Peace.